For many, fun in the sun in Europe means the crowded Costa del Sol in Spain. But if you follow the Mediterranean all the way west to Land's End in Portugal, you find yourself in the dreamy Algarve. This is a region where there's still room for some of the small-town magic of a classic Portuguese fishing town. The south coast of Portugal stretches from lagoon towns and sandbars in the east all the way to the rocky domain of windsurfers off Cape St. Vincent, where the end of the world was back before the discoveries of Columbus. Joining us to get acquainted with the Algarve is Cristina Duarte. She's a tour guide from Lisbon. She's joined by Robert Wright. Robert's helped me update my guidebooks on Spain and Portugal for many years, and he also guides visitors around Portugal every summer. Robert and Cristina, thanks for joining us. Thank Thank you. So there are endless beaches and lots of coastal charm in Iberia. Cristina, what is unique about the Algarve? I think the sand. More that I travel and see others, and I'm going on holidays with my kids also to the sand, to beaches all over, and especially Mediterranean, and I miss the fine, white, golden sand. Of the south coast uh, of, of the Portugal. south coast of Portugal. Is it more pebbly or more gravelly mm. elsewhere, more brown? It's brown and brown. gravelly, yeah. rocky. It hurts your feet. Now, Robert, Rick, I would say that another fantastic quality of the Algarve, besides also the mm-hmm. sand is fantastic, but also the light. The quality of the mm, light yes. is absolutely beautiful because it's not Mediterranean, it's Atlantic. And so it has a different hue to it. It's almost a little bit more yellowish. Yeah. And that goes along beautiful with the sand that Christina mentioned. Oh, I like it. And you've That's... got those classic postcard pictures of the dramatic rock formations at Lagos where you can like walk through the tunnels, the natural tunnels, and you got the golden sand, the beautiful light, and the relaxed visitors. Robert, if you were to explain the Algarve, just the geography, give us, for people who don't know the Algarve, What is it geographically, in in a nutshell, what are the highlights? It's a rough and rocky coast, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, because it is Atlantic, so it gets a lot of uh, weather beating along to it. So you have uh, interesting rock formations, as you mentioned, uh, along Lagos. There are other places where you have sandbars, like off the coast of Tavira. Mm -hmm. You also, at the very tip, at the point at uh, Cabo San Vicente, you've got a beautiful sort of uh, cliffside where you've got a lighthouse, and you can just imagine all of those explorers rounding the coast and on their way to go to Africa to find the sea route to India. Oh, I just love this because we're talking about one of the favorite guys in Portuguese lore, Prince Henry the Navigator. Explain the romantic connection of Henry the Navigator and the Age of Discovery and Cape Sagres. Prince Henry the Navigator was responsible for starting Portugal onto exploration. Mm -hmm. And he's the one who uh, gave the big impetus using funds from a military religious order that he was the Grand Master of, and so he got to decide whether those funds would be used, and he started doing military campaigns and basically set Portugal on the road to discovery. And that made it a world power because it basically plotted out the world with Spain with the, where they planted their flag. So Henry the Navigator would have sort of set the stage for Vasco da Gama and Magellan. He did, and actually, uh, thanks to Columbus kind of making a mistake... <laughs> Um, Portugal actually found the route to India before Spain did. So Columbus just sailed west. Let's go west. And uh, when he discovered the Americas, the Treaty of Tordesillas, which was in 1494, just two years after the discovery of the Americas, it divided the world into two. And you've got everything on the west belonging to Spain and everything on the east side of that line Uh is Portuguese. And today the two languages in South America are... 
Portuguese, and Spanish. There you go. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're learning about the south coast of Portugal, the Algarve. We're joined by Cristina Duarte and Roberto Wright. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Karen's calling in from Brookville, Pennsylvania. Karen, thanks for your call. You're welcome. I was in Portugal in October, and I was fascinated and loved it. It was wonderful. The people were charming and delightful. The food was incredible, and the scenery was breathtaking. Hmm. What part of Portugal were you in? I took a tour that looped the entire country. Isn't it interesting how everybody knows about Spain, and, and they oftentimes give Portugal a miss, and when you get there, it's distinct from Spain, oh, and, yes. it, and it certainly has charms to compete. Yes, very much so. I, I actually prefer it. I really do. My question was, I want to go again, but rather than going with a group, I want to be independent, and I was curious about the easeability of using public transportation to get from Lisbon down to the Algarve to rent perhaps for a week or two weeks at a time. Robert, what would you recommend public transit from Lisbon to the south coast? There are several ways to get there, uh, either by train or by bus. Either is, is an option because there are trains that go directly to Lagos. Mm-hmm. And you could go there that way or uh, probably the way that most Portuguese travel because it's cheaper and it's actually uh, a lot more fun to see the countryside is by a long-distance bus. When I was first traveling in Portugal, I remember there were no freeways. And now there's freeways all over the place in Portugal thanks mm-hmm. to EU uh, subsidies and mm-hmm. so on. So you can get to the Algarve twice as fast as you could in the old days by bus or car. Christina? Uh, the difficulty about the train from Lisbon is that uh, there is not a straight and direct train to every place where you want to stay. So many times you have Lisbon, Tunis, which is in the Algarve, and from there you have to take another train to the other place. And if you probably go to a small fisherman village like Salima, for instance, you have another problem, which is to make the connection between where from Lagos to arrive to Salima. So sometimes the bus actually, Mm -hmm. if it is a more remote area, probably the bus, it will be the best connection. And it may be one or two buses that you have to take. But it's fairly fairly easy to navigate as long as you know ahead of time that that's what you have to do. And if you actually, well, if you want to try to drive in Portugal... It's not that complicated. You just get out. <laughs> you just get out of the airport. You rent the <laughs> car of the airport. You just cross the river already on the on the bridge, beautiful bridge of Vasco da Gama, and then you have two hours straight oh. to the Algarve on the highway. So I see. <laughs> Wonderful to know. Karen, thanks so much for your call. Oh well, thank you very very much. Enjoy your next trip to Portugal. I will. Thank All you. Right. Bye bye. Bye now. Jan's on the line in Walnut Creek, California. Jan, thanks for calling in. Yes, hello. I've been to the Algarve before, but this time I'd like to go back and kind of take more time. Um, I'd like to stop in some of the villages and towns that you might recommend. And also, I'm interested in uh, hiking, uh, maybe some picturesque hiking routes you can recommend uh, for the average hiker. Uh, Hiking, now that's a good idea. If you think about the south coast, you've got Lagos, I think, which is the, the big destination that is famous and like a big resort with good connections. You've got Sagres, which is the very southwest tip. That's where the rugged cliffs are and the high wind and, and pretty sparsely populated. Tavira is a charming town closer to Spain. And then all along the way, you've got smaller, more nondescript towns that you could choose. Our favorite little fishing village uh, town for a tourist would be Salema, S-A-L-E-M-A. 
And if you wanted to, now they've put a, a freeway in almost all the way across. It's inland, but it just zips you from Spain to Lagos in just an hour or so uh, because of this freeway. But there's plenty of hiking. Uh, Robert, what would you recommend for somebody who wants to make a base and then enjoy getting into nature? I would say there there are two options. One would be to make a base in Lagos and go from there and explore on your own and, and always come back because there are lots of beautiful rock formations directly around Lagos that are a little bit more accessible than on the tip because on that point out there, it's a little bit too hazardous for a lot of people. For, it's not for your average hiker, and I And I just took a very nice walk, almost a paved walk, mm-hmm. along through the beaches and the rock formations in Lagos. Right. It was quite nice. Right. And if you, and the second option would be to go uh, north of Sagres, uh, north of the tip, because they have opened recently a hiking route called the Costa Vicentina. Yes. And it's actually a beautiful, beautiful walk, and there are many parts of it that are accessible. Well, there you go, Jen. Okay, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll make a note of it for my next trip. Have fun. Thanks thank for your you. call. Bye-bye. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about the south coast of Portugal, Algarve, and we're talking with Cristina Duarte and Roberto Wright. Cristina and Robert, when you think about the Algarve, we, we know Henry the Navigator, and this is sort of like his school where he taught the navigators how to open up the world to the Portuguese explorers and how he debriefed them when they got back in. We also have a Moorish connection. That was when the Muslims from Africa came in and took over Spain and Portugal, invading in the early 700s, and staying there for several centuries, not being pushed back into Africa until 1492. Christina, tell us just briefly about the Moorish uh, heritage. First of all, in people. Mm-hmm. That is uh, a little bit uh, the kind of a more tan color on the skin, more curly air. So already the aspect on uh, on the people in relationship with the north of Portugal that there are the skin is light. Uh, so within Portugal, yes. the ethnicity of the yes. people in the Algarve has more can, of an Arabic yes. flavor because of uh, intermingling yes. to the Moorish times. Yes. Then in words, in the vocabulary, so in Portuguese, all of the words that start by al, many places uh, that start by ode, which ah, means the ah, river, Algarve, al, Algarve, Algarve, the Alhambra. Occident, Alhambra, the Alcazar, and also products like, for instance, we say to the olive oil, we say in Portuguese, azeite. Azeite is a Moorish word that comes from azetum, which means olive oil. The word Algarve is actually an Arabic word, isn't it? What does that mean, Christina? It means to the west. To the west. Yes. And, and that's from where the Muslims came. When they exactly, crossed. exactly. Okay. Now, of course, you have the Reconquista, and the Muslims who were ruled there were retaken by the Christians and forced to give up their Islamic faith. Robert, I've heard a kind of a touristy story about the icons of the Algarve, the little cute little chimneys are almost like leftover minarets in the minds of the people that live there. Is there anything to that? Have you ever heard that? Um, I've heard that. It's, it, I think it's a little bit more of a folk tale than anything else. But yes, all of these, it's traditional architecture from Muslim times that sort of survives today. Yeah. Uh, the little chimneys and also the colors, the blues and the whites, and all of that is leftovers from, from that time So period. as you travel through the Algarve, you've got so many layers of history in the Algarve, along with just laying on the beach and enjoying the fun in the sun. Stephen's on the line from Cudahy, Wisconsin. Stephen, thanks for calling in. Certainly. I have a question. My wife and I are planning a week in Portugal, and we want to go to Lisbon because it looks so incredibly beautiful on your show. But we wondered, and we've never been to Portugal before, we're wondering would we have enough time to do both Lisbon and the Algarve? In one week. Robert, you're very uh, adept at helping people plan their itineraries in Portugal. Americans typically have too much to do and not enough time. One week. 
Can Stephen do Lisbon and the Algarve? If so, how? Definitely. Um, it all depends on if you are big city people or you want more time in the sun. As we mentioned a little bit earlier in the interview, it's only a two-hour trip basically from Lisbon down to the Algarve by car, a little bit longer for public transportation, so it's definitely doable. You could easily say you would spend five days in Lisbon. There are plenty of things to see in Lisbon for five days and then spend two relaxing on the coast. You know, you could spend three nights on the coast, pick up a car. I think you could probably rent a car at the Lisbon airport one evening after doing Lisbon, Drive that evening down. Drop to the, it off in Lagos. And, and then, or, or drive it back to the airport if you wanted to. Even if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. But, and yeah. then you'd have three nights and two, I would say if you're going to go down there, Stephen, give yourself at least three nights so you have two uninterrupted days. Do all your hardcore sightseeing in Lisbon and then go down to the south coast and enjoy just the, the beach ambience. Christina? Hey, on the way, if you think that you didn't have enough, you can always, well, sightseeing a little bit in Evora. That is a lovely town. Oh, this is and the problem. It's mission yes. creep. <laughs> There's so much to see. Hey, if Stephen's down there on the south coast and he's got two days, let's just talk about what he's going to eat, okay? One of the fun things in Portugal is the octopus jars. You see these guys fishing for octopus like they did in Phoenician times, yes. in, in ancient days, where they'd drop these jars, pottery jars, down into the uh, special areas where there's a lot of octopus. And then the, those poor octopus, <laughs> they think it's a safe place to hide <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. And then, and then the next morning, it's like, oops, we're we're <laughs> breathing air. We shouldn't place. be here. <laughs> Something's wrong. What's wrong, wrong with this picture? <laughs> Last mistake that octopus makes. And tonight. He's on Stephen's dinner plate. All right. So you got your fresh octopus. You can go to fish auctions. Where would you go to see a fish market or any any sort of fish action? I was just in Sagres. In the town of Sagres, there's a fish market every morning. Yes, and also Lagos. Is it, Lagos is huge. The there. fresh market oh, uh, is yeah. huge. In the other side of, uh, well, in the Algarve coast, uh, Lole is the biggest one. L-O-U-L-E, L-O-U-L-E. And, Christina, tell me about barnacles, Persebish. Barnacles, um, and normally people have a wrong idea of barnacles. They think it's more like a, a clam. They imagine it like mostly a black clam that attaches to the boats and is infestant. No, barnacles is like a, a horseshoe mostly, and it uh, borns in, in rocks. And in rocks, where is the beaten water? So the water must be completely clean, known unpolluted, Known unpolluted. So in very rough wa- yes. waves crashing. and so crashing. So that makes the best barnacles. Exactly. Huh? So it's mm. nothing that is coming, well, uh, in a infestant way. No, it's it's very high-quality product that is very dangerous to get. And how do you say it in Portuguese? Percebes. And why is it dangerous to get? Because uh, the fishermen, they are not fishing. They are almost like, how to say? They're rock, well, rock climbing, climbing, basically. Yeah, mm. they are rock climbing. And they have, as they get out the barnacles every year lower and they have to go lower and lower because it's on the tide limit. Ah. So it means that they have in between the tides, they have roughly one hour. In a one hour, otherwise they have already the the high tide again. So, so these it's are extremely dangerous. It's not very often that I go for the most expensive thing on the menu. And Persebish, barnacles are quite expensive, but they are really good. So, Stephen, when you're uh, going to be hanging out in the Algarve, be sure you try some fresh octopus and some persebish. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Persebish. Robert, what's your favorite food treat on the Algarve? I think my favorite food to have while I'm on the Algarve would be the cataplana, which is a really wonderful fish stew. So you may have been to France and you think it's bouillabaisse, but it's not. No, it's much better. 
they're cooked in these beautiful bronze vessels that kind of look like a clam. And not only are there fish, but there's other kinds of seafood in there as well, potatoes, and this wonderful broth because when you cook it for hours, everything just melts together. I love it. Christina, what's your take on cataplana? Uh, well, not cataplana. I will, go, I will go for sardines so we can share. You, you ask, you ask cataplana. Sit you ask cataplana, I ask sardines, and we share. <laughs> a nice cataplana, which comes in a nice pottery bowl usually. It's like a, it's like an elegant soup for fish. And then you got your beautiful sardines. Beautiful. And you say sardines like it's just close to your heart. What is it with sardines in Sardines Portugal? is like one of the family blue uh, kind of uh, fish. Uh-huh. So it means that uh, the, the good ones are normally from end of May until September. But still, September, they are already skinny, let's say. Oh. The very fat, good ones are May to Ju- June are the best ones. And they are greasy, so they grill. You just put on some salt, maritime salt, and you grill it. Nothing but that. And it goes with all together, with, well, the bones, the inside, the eyes, but it's just wonderful because of those smells and the flavors, they are 100% original, genuine. It sounds like yes. of the sea. So and nice. And and then you wash it down with vino verde. Do you or not? I don't definitely, know. So now definitely. what do you think? Do you like, this is the green wine in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Let's just close it off with, Robert, what is this green wine? Uh, vino verde is a, um, it's not green actually. It's just a very young wine and that's okay. why they call it green. And it's slightly sparkling. Uh-huh. It's made from an Albarino grape, which is basically uh, from northern Portugal. Uh-huh. And it's light, crisp, a little bit acidic. That's why it goes very well with seafood. Nice match with the seafood and the Portuguese vino yes. verde. Roberto Wright, Cristina Duarte, obrigado for beautiful ideas De about nada. enjoying the south of Portugal, the Algarve. Thank you so much. Thanks. De nada. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to Spain, Portugal, and beyond. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next European adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.